Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Jesus, the Son of God, had come to us and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around teaching, investing in people, doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It was incredible. The blind were able to see, the lame walk, those with leprosy were cured, the deaf could hear, and even the dead were raised to life. And the good news of God's kingdom was being preached to the poor. So it was no surprise on that Sunday before Passover, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, that people were praising God for him. They had pinned their hope on him to rescue them from the oppression of Rome. And so they welcomed him into town like a savior king who would conquer. Yet not everyone was happy about the attention Jesus continued to gain. The priests and religious leaders were offended that Jesus put himself on the same level as God. They thought he was spreading dangerous lies and they wanted to be rid of him. So they plotted together and later that week, Jesus, who had just been publicly celebrated by day, was now ambushed and arrested by night. His friends watched as he allowed himself to be led away, allowed himself to be accused, allowed himself even to be mocked and beaten. Wasn't he the rescuing king they'd been waiting for? Had they got it all wrong? The confusion was overwhelming, so they just ran. The religious leaders eventually turned him over to Pilate, the governor of the people, demanding that he be killed. But Pilate found no fault with Jesus, and he was eager for a way to release them. He knew that it was out of envy that the religious leaders had arrested him, and his wife had even been warned in a dream not to harm this man. So he declared that he did not find Jesus guilty of anything deserving death, and he would simply punish and release him. But the priests had already stirred up their crowd and they roared, no, let him be crucified. Pilate saw that he would not be able to convince them otherwise and trying to do so would only cause a riot. So he relented and sent Jesus away to be crucified. The guards stripped him, beat him, mocked him, spit on him and nailed him to a cross. Over his head, they mockingly put the only charge they had against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. As Jesus hung on that cross, darkness overtook the land. Eventually, he cried out with agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The earth shook, rocks were split, and Jesus sighed out his final words as he gave up his spirit and died on that cross. It is finished. That evening, a man from the religious council came to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. He hadn't agreed to the plan to have Jesus arrested and killed. He had, in fact, been looking for the kingdom of heaven himself. And he had secretly believed that Jesus really was who he said he was, the Messiah, the prophesied deliverer. So, in a final act of love for this man he had been following and learning from, he took the body of Jesus and prepared it for a proper burial. He wrapped the body in clean linen 
and he laid Jesus in his own tomb, one which had never been used. He had a great stone rolled over the entrance of the tomb, sealing it shut, and he left. But Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany couldn't pull themselves away. They sat there outside the tomb, numb, in disbelief, in agony. It was Friday. The Sabbath would begin when the sun went down, and they couldn't stay and risk breaking the law. But they weren't ready to say goodbye either. This was the darkest, most painful Sabbath ever. There was nowhere to go, nothing to do, but sit in their grief. Silence, brokenness, disbelief, guilt, hopelessness. What have we done? What should we have done? Could we have stopped this from happening? Have we wasted the past three years? Did we sacrifice so much for nothing? Did we dishonor God and now he's repaying us? So many questions, no answers. Silence, brokenness, disbelief, guilt, hopelessness. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. Come see where his body was laying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. The women ran quickly from the tomb, frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the good news, and while they were running with heads reeling, Jesus suddenly met them and greeted them. It was too good to be true. The words failed them. They ran to him, held onto his feet, and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Jesus was alive. Their hearts were pounding inside their chest. This was going to change Everything. Everything had indeed changed, but it was only the beginning. Twenty twenty three was a pretty interesting year in the sports world. It was. First of all, let's just say, hey, congratulations to UConn last week, right? National champions. But I want to talk about the UConn women's team for a second. They missed the final four for the first time in 15 years. That's crazy, right? No other team has ever done that. Um, they, they lost. So something happened really uniquely to the UConn women's basketball team this year. They lost Two games in a row, back-to-back -back games. For the first time since I was in high school. Some of you are wondering now. 30 years, people, 30 years. That is amazing. Um, there's some other really cool sports things that happened. Um, uh, so this year, after holding the record for 40 years... LeBron James broke the NBA scoring record. 
which is pretty amazing feat. And what it did was it sends like all the sports talk people into a buzz, like the greatest of all time, who is the best ever? Is it LeBron? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Who is it, right? Jordan. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on my answer until the end. And then, and then, um, so then there's Tom Brady. Now, again, tone it down, Patriots fan. I'm not a Patriots fan, but let me, let me just give you this. He retired this year after 23 years of playing football. That is unheard of, people. Let me just tell you what he did. When we talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, here's a couple of Tom Brady's things. He holds the record for most career passing yards, most completions, most touchdown passes, most games started, most career quarterback wins, both in the regular season and the playoffs, most Super Bowl MVP awards. He's the only Super Bowl MVP for two different teams. He's the only one to win in three different decades. He has the most Pro Bowl selections, and he was the first person ever to win unanimous NFL MVP. That's crazy. Okay, so I, I, I know I've lost half of you. Don't worry. I'm think, I've been thinking about you. Let's just move out of the sports world for a second. Uh, let's talk about the greatest of all time musicians. What, who might be on that list? Is it Beethoven or Bach? Is it Prince? Is it Michael Jackson? I, is it Beyonce? I don't know. Okay. Um, let's talk about comedians. Actually, Rolling Stone put out an article. They ranked George Carlin and Richard Pryor as the best comedians of all time. The greatest of all time. So it's really interesting. We talk about the greatest of all time. Oh, wait, wait let me go back because I want to I say this. Then there's the food piece. Right, 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 right? It's the greatest food of all time. If anybody says anything different than pizza, you're wrong. Or the greatest vacation of all time. If anybody says anything different from a warm beach somewhere, you're also wrong. Um, yes, some of you just came back from the beach. I'm jealous. Miami and Mexico, all you people. Here's the tension. We talk about the greatest of all time. Here, here's the thing. When we think about the greatest of all time, it's really, really difficult because we all use different measuring sticks, Right? We do. So let's just, again, let's go back to the sports analogy. How do, we, how do we measure the greatest of all time? Is it how many games someone won? Is it how many most valuable players they won? Is it, is it how they make other people around them better? I know there's all these different things. And again, when it comes to music or vacations or whatever, you all have your different standards for measuring what the greatest is. That's just comes with the territory. And I could discuss and argue this thing all day long. Actually, I will have an opinion. By me and my buddy Steve, who may or may not be in this room right now, will disagree just about every single time, and we love each other still, so it's all good. But how can we really know? How could we really know? So, so in 1978, um, Michael Hart wrote a book entitled The 100, a ranking of the most influential persons in history. And so he wrote down the top 100 most influential people to ever walk the face of the earth. Now, I get it. I, it was 1978, but uh, bear with me here. So here is his ranking. Number one, 
he ranked Muhammad, which is the Islamic prophet. Uh, number two, he ranked Isaac Newton. And uh, number three, he ranked Jesus Christ. So I, that got me thinking, and I, again, go into the world of doing my research, and I, there are several people who have attempted this kind of a list. Um, there's another person who made a list where he put Aristotle and Plato as one and two, respectively, on that list. But when you go through these lists, you see different names, and they kind of are familiar throughout time. It could be Napoleon, or Albert Einstein, or Alexander the Great, or Benjamin Franklin, or just a ton of different people. But clearly, here's my point, is people are using a certain kind of measuring stick to put them on their list of the greatest of all time. How do you measure greatness? Can, can greatness even be measured? And, and so on this Easter Sunday, which in essence is the cornerstone Christian holiday of the Christian faith, as you probably imagined I would, I want to talk about the life of Jesus and contend, or at least converse, about the fact that he probably shouldn't be third on any list of the most, you know, influential people to ever walk the face of the earth. In fact, I'll just put it out there. My argument is that Jesus is the GOAT. Um, so in order to do this, uh, we need to think through the measuring sticks that we might use in order to put Jesus in that category. And so this morning, I want to propose four different measuring sticks that you might use or that I would use possibly to contend that Jesus was the greatest of all time. So I'm going to jump right in. First of all, we could measure by the achievement of creation, the creation of the world. Most Christians believe most Christians believe that God created the world in some way, shape, or form. And the book of the Bible that describes this, the very first book in the Bible, the Bible is a collection of 66 books, right? So the very first one, Genesis, or Beginnings, talks about this creation process. And it describes a process where God takes nothing and creates something out of it. And so he separates out you know, the land from the water, right? And uh, he speaks trees and flowers and even aardvarks into existence. <laughs> and then, of course, on day six, he creates his crowning achievement. That's human beings, right? And so then we go, and there's another person that references this, this passage later on, uh, and uh, Paul says, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created by him and through him and for him. So this feat, if it's true, I think could easily be a measuring stick to classify goat status. But let's keep moving. Here's a second one I would propose. Um, we could measure Jesus' greatness by what higher beings said about him. So there's this story in the Bible. You're all familiar with it probably. We just celebrated it a few months ago where this angel comes to this girl named Mary and he or she has this word from God, Right? And this is what the angel tells Mary, says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great. 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will never end. In other words, God himself comes right out and basically says, Jesus is going to be the greatest to ever walk the earth. And so, if you have enough faith to believe in that account that's been passed down for, you know, centuries, millennia, through history, I think quoting the words of God and the angels qualifies as a possible measuring stick for Jesus as the goat. But maybe that one doesn't work for you, so I thought of a third one. Let's go to number three. We could measure Jesus' goat status by the impact he had on other people. Now, we talked about the words of God and the angels. Let's talk about the words of people now. And in fact, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that second part of the Bible, there are a lot of eyewitness accounts. People, contemporaries of Jesus, they walked with him, they lived with him, they ate with him, they did all the things, right? Um, And he really began to get a following of people. Uh, Matthew, which is, the, again, the first book of the New Testament, and somebody who lived along with Jesus, he writes this. He says, he saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And the part I want to notice there is he saw the huge crowd. People loved this guy. People loved this guy. He had a following. He certainly had a great connection to people. There's another one, the next book over, Mark, another guy, he says, the large crowd, again, listened to him with great delight. People followed Jesus wherever he went. There was something about him. He was a popular speaker. In fact, the Bible tells us he became more popular. He was the best teacher out of all the, again, in that day, the the most respected philosophers and teachers. The Bible tells us that people looked at him and said, he's actually better. Pretty, pretty interesting. Now, then you have all those accounts of like miracles and healings happen in the Bible, right? In fact, from my count, there are over 40 different illustrations of a miracle that Jesus did for someone. There's the woman who was born with a blood disease that he just healed. There was a, a man who was born blind. And this one's really weird. He says, go put mud on your eyes. Now, this guy was blind from birth. He does what Jesus says. The guy opens his eyes for the first time in his life. Uh, there's, there's another person who was deaf his whole life until Jesus touched him. Again, all of these things have been passed down, and I'm guessing if you asked any one of those people, they would say, you know what, that changed my life forever. It made a significant impact on me. I'd probably put him at goat status. There's a last one here that I think we can maybe put into this argument that I would make. We can measure... By his goodness. We can measure by his goodness. 1 John chapter 3 verse 5 says, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sin, and yet there was no sin in him. Another part of the Bible says, For God made Christ, that's Jesus, who never sinned to be the offering for our sins. So here is this person Can you imagine being the sibling of Jesus? You know, the perfect one who never did anything wrong. That goody two-shoes guy. But literally, there was no sin in him. He was perfect in every way. 
And honestly, here's the truth. If people didn't believe that Jesus was God, whether it's in that day or in, again, the centuries and millennia to follow, most would still agree that Jesus was a pretty good man. By virtue of his kindness and his goodness, especially towards the least of these in our world. So I can make an argument for one or even all of these points. You may have more. And at the end of the day, here's the deal. You're going to have to decide that for yourself. So I want to acknowledge, though, that at a certain point in Jesus' life, the tide seemed to turn a little bit about him. Public opinion seemed to wane a little bit, particularly among the religious elite. Now, you've got to understand the religious, you know, elite in that day, uh, not only did they have money, but they had power. And the things that Jesus was doing and saying and teaching felt like very much undermining their authority and power, and they began to despise him. And they called for his execution. And so at the age of 33, he was arrested on false accusations. He was put on trial and sentenced to death. We observed that over the last several days in this holy week. This was the cruelest kind of death. The the death only reserved... For the worst of criminals, the ones who committed treason, in fact, in fact, that was a piece of it. They mocked him, and they did it by putting this inscription. After even going through all that pain and that, that tragedy, they still yet found it in their hearts to mock him. And so they put up this sign that says, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. But to use Jesus' own words... Whoever would be great among you must be the servant of all. If you want to be great, if you want to go high, he says, the right way is by going low. And I would go on to argue that Jesus' relentless, selfless dedication to seeing through to the end of his mission, why he came on this earth in the very first place was not only misunderstood, but it was another argument for me that he was the greatest of all time. His enduring, that ridicule, that mocking, that scorn, that shame. The reason is because he loved mankind, humankind, the ones he created like no other. And he was humble like no one else that had come before him or that has come after him. And because he was strong enough to keep himself on that cross, even though he probably could have caused, called armies of angels to rescue him. And he didn't. The goat gave up. Now, when we think about goats these days, and I mean the greatest of all time, not goats, like, we're, they're known for Rising up. And yet Jesus went just the opposite. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now you might say, Tom, there are a lot of good people that have walked the earth. 100%, you're right. You'd say, there have even been plenty of people who have touched the lives of others in such significant ways. They made this significant impact. And I would say, absolutely. So true. And you'd say, but Tom, there's actually even been people who have sacrificed their own life for others. Maybe even for you. And I say, yeah, that's true. But here's the thing for me, for me, that clinches the conversation. Three days after they put Jesus in a grave, he got up and he walked out of it. No one, no one has done that before. No one has done that since. And something changed, just like that video says, something changed that day that you cannot use the regular measuring sticks anymore. It's elevated. It was ultimate statement, not just that he was a good human, but that he was God himself. And this is the very meaning of Easter, passed down historically, year over year, century after century, millennia after millennia, from people who witnessed the event themselves. Confirmed by eyewitnesses after the fact, as we saw again in that opening video, Jesus walking around, making appearances, maybe with those marks still in his hands and his feet. The resurrection proved everything. Paul, one of the greatest theologians, preachers, even philosophers who ever lived, actually he was a pretty elevated, high-status person whose life was transformed by God, went on to say, and I don't have it up here, but he says, if Christ had not been raised, then everything I do, all the preaching, all the preachers, all the teachers, whatever, it's all useless. And guess what? All your faith is useless too. He goes on to say, if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Because I hate to break it to you, you're not like Jesus. We all are messed up, broken, sinful. I know we don't like to use that word, but we, we do. He goes on to say, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The resurrection proved everything. All his claims on earth while he was here were true. All his miracles legit. All the eyewitnesses that recorded it went out to give their lives for it. By the power of the testimony and the conviction in their hearts, it has spread and it has not stopped spreading from that day forward. The greatest of all time defeated sin and hell and death itself. No one has done that before and no one has done it since. And these are the reasons why I believe Jesus Christ deserves to be first on that list. No one has changed the course of history more. No event has changed the course of history more. Hey, let me just say this. We could celebrate the cross all we want, but if he didn't come down from that cross, we would all still be dead and have no hope. That's what Paul was saying. The resurrection is the thing that changed it for everyone.
And so we say with the people of old who were looking forward to this great day, says, praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be honored now and forever. Listen to this. The Lord is high above all the nations. His shining greatness is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? No one. So Easter Sunday, this day in Christianity, we could celebrate the greatest event in history. And I, I want to finish up just a minute here by asking just a couple of questions. You'd say, well, why should I even care? In other words, you're not being, you know, weird about that. You're just like, How, why does that make a difference for me? I'm not so sure I'm there yet. And I think it's a great question. If I don't believe it, does it make a difference? Well, like I said, you're going to have to wrestle that one through, but I want to go back to my illustration. Um, when I was in high school, I got to go to see my favorite team, the Boston Celtics, play against the Chicago Bulls at the Boston Garden. I got to see my favorite basketball player, Larry Bird, play against who I believe, here it comes, is the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. And I remember after that game, we stood outside in the freezing cold waiting for the players to come out of the exit. That players came out and are waiting and there's, I'm probably 15 or 20 feet from the exit and there's people all in front of me. I could barely see. But then the moment comes where Michael Jordan makes his exit. He has glasses on, sunglasses on. He has a big long coat. I never, I was so close, but I didn't get to meet him. I was so close, but I never got to talk about basketball. I was so close, but he didn't see me, and neither did he acknowledge me. He doesn't know I exist, and he never will. So I was thinking as I was thinking about this message, but let's suppose I did meet Michael Jordan that day. Would it have changed my future? Would it have changed the trajectory of my life? Probably not. Uh, would I be a happier person today? Probably not. Would it have given me this brand new purpose in life? <laughs> no, probably not. I'd be able to say I met this person who is maybe the greatest basketball player of all time, but at the end, what do I have to show for that? But here's the thing with Jesus. The God of the universe wants to be your friend personally. And that's what makes the difference. That's what makes him the greatest of all time. Now listen, I've put out Reasons why I have come to that decision. You may or may not be convinced. And I respect that. I totally get that. Maybe you're a skeptic like me. It takes you a while to work through things. And it does for me as well. And so like me, you may need to think things through. The good thing for you, as I said earlier, a good place like Hope Church, which we welcome those questions. Want to be a safe place for everybody on that, on that journey. We want you to work through it all. We want you to ask the hard questions. So keep going through that. And here's the truth, what I've come to believe. It's not even my job to convince you. I can't do that. 
I think God is the only one who could convince a heart. But for those of you who have been wrestling and you have been working it and you're right there, maybe most importantly, this message is for you. Maybe this is the moment, and I cannot think of a better time, a better day, Easter Sunday, 2023, for you to say, you know what? I got to jump in. I got to jump in. Not just, I'm not going to put my toe in the water. I'm going to jump in. That's what we call faith. He's like, you might still wrestle. I don't know all the things. I still wrestle with this thing. I don't care about that. And I don't think Jesus does either. You know what you need to believe? You need to believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins that he rose again, and you have a life eternal with him. And you know what? You start there. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I still don't have it all figured out. I still wrestle through things. I still balk, believe it or not, at some of the things the Bible says. I'm still wrestling through that. You do not have to have it all figured out. But I'm telling you in the, in the most powerful, like, compelling way that I, that I can, that I believe Jesus wants to be your friend. He is for you. Some of you need to hear this today. He's for you, not against you. See, because other people, they'll give up on you. <laughs> Jesus isn't going to do that. He says he's a friend that's going to stick closer than a brother. And so in a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And if you want to pray along with me in, the, in your own heart, in your own words, that's what the thing is great about prayer, too. Like, you could just say whatever you, it's not a formula for doing it. In your own words, and say, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to jump all in. I'm going to take this step of faith because I believe what you've done. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. Can we all bow our heads together? I want to pray over you. I want to pray over every person in this room. Lord Jesus, you know us better than we know ourselves. And for that reason alone, we can't get by you. <laughs> Even if we don't admit something, we might try behind it. Like, you, you know, God. And maybe it's just you and them. But Lord, I'm actually grateful that you know us like this because you still, even in the midst of all that, you still died for us. You opened up your arms and said, I'm doing it for you. I, I'm going to keep myself on this cross for you. And then I'm going to raise again so that you can have a brand new life. And so if you are in that place, I'm just going to uh, say a prayer and you could repeat it or you could do whatever you want in your own heart and say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I'm a broken person. I'm not even sure what my next step is. But God, I want to thank you for your death and for your resurrection that gives me new life. From this moment forward, I want to be your child. I want to be a part of your family. And we're going to work through this together. We're just going to take a moment. Just take a moment. Let's just keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Just take a moment. God, there is no one like you. 
you are greater than anyone to come before, to go behind us. And God, we give you all the praise and all the credit that you deserve this morning. In Jesus' name.